So, John, what would you like written on your tombstone? Well, I think, further to a conversation we just had before recording, oh, dear <laughs> <laughs> I think it should be John Paul Lucas, 1986 to... 2018. Hopefully later, hopefully <laughs> 2098 or something, I don't know, that's not optimistic. Jesus. So, John P. Lucas, he never shut up about his fucking prostate gland. <laughs> <laughs> You do talk about it uh, quite a lot. I'm evangelical about my prostate. Sure. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> All right. I feel like I know more about your prostate than I, I need to. Well, mission accomplished. Some films are fine, just the way they Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry, joining me as always is John. Hello. And we're back. We are back. I mean, as far as these listeners are concerned, we've never been away. Nothing's changed. Because we've pl- <laughs> we planned this out very well. But we are actually recording for the first time in about three weeks. Because, mm. um, well, I was on holiday and you were on sort of a almost holiday. I was away. You were away from home, yeah. Mm. I went to Lisbon to watch the Eurovision Song Contest, Mm -hmm. and you went to Southampton to visit your sister. No, Leicester. Leicester, sorry. Why did I think Southampton? I have that granny who lives there. Oh, okay, sure. Okay, well, you went to Leicester. Yes, just said it. Just said it. To visit your sister, okay? Yes. Good time? Had by all? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It was was good. I got a lot of work done. It was great. Good. What about about you? How was Eurovision? Fabulous. I'm very tanned. I'm happy with the winner. Uh, Well, I'm happy with the song. I'm not 100% (laughs) what going to Jerusalem this time next year, but we'll see how that pans out. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Cool. No, it was was good. I was living my best life, I feel. Well, we have already agreed that you are going to die in 2018, as we're going to write in your grave, so... I'll I'll never see it. So you're not going to get to Jerusalem next year. Oh, well, it was a good way to cap it off, then. If that was my last ever Eurovision, Mm. there could have been worse. No, it was, good. it was good. I enjoyed. I enjoyed watching it live. Good. Okay. <laughs> well, come on, make the most of me. There's obviously not much of me left, so you know, I'm going to die this year. So, uh, this film. What did yes. You, what, why did you choose the Royal Tenenbaums? Okay. Yes. So this week we are doing Wes Anderson's The Royal Tenenbaums, one of his early breakout hits. Uh, he did the film Bottle Rocket, which was a cult hit, and then he did Rushmore, which was slightly more of a. Is it Rushmore? Mm. slightly more of a cult hit and then he did this which was a genuine smash hit it made 71 million at the the US box office which for an indie film is pretty impressive especially Mm -hmm. in 2001 and yeah well this came from a conversation that we had a few weeks back when it occurred to us that neither of us have really watched a whole lot of Wes Anderson Mm. I had watched this before but my memory of it was very dim and we've both seen Isle of Dogs that's how it came up Mm -hmm. and you had seen Grand Budapest Hotel and Isle of Dogs and nothing else so I thought this would be a good one to, a quintessential Wes Anderson film to kind of just open up a conversation about whether we like him as a director. And mm-hmm. so how did you feel about this film? <sighs> it was good. It was, it was quite twee. Twee. More or less so than Grand Budapest? Uh, more so, I think. Grand uh-huh. Budapest felt more sort of stylistic. Okay. Because a lot of Grand Budapest Hotel felt like a cartoon. Sure. Well, parts of this felt cartoony to me. Well, Grand Budapest, it had stop motion in it. It had... Sure. Big canvas backgrounds. This one did all seem mm-hmm. real life. Sure, but oh, I did find this really interesting, quite compelling, and it was nice. It it, it was uh, it was a good length. Yes, I agree. Like if it was any longer, it would really have dragged. Yeah, but 
I think it it just didn't drag. I agree. One of the things I noted was that it was very well paced. Because mm. I don't think there's a huge amount of plot there. Mm. But I think he keeps... Wes Anderson has a good gift for keeping things moving along at a nice pace, nice and zippy. Yeah. It doesn't outstay its welcome particularly. In that sense, it was it was good. If this film was like half an hour longer, you'd be forced to look into it a little bit more and then you might start to notice all the things that don't really work about it. <laughs> oh, like what? Well, just, I mean, in general, just I think Wes Anderson films are benefit from a less is more kind of approach. Because mm-hmm. I think they are quite... A little bit on the twee side, a little bit on the um, quirky, almost almost pretentiously quirky. Very. But, I'm pretty sure he coined the phrase quirky. Absolutely, yeah. And people say that as an insult. People say, oh, his films are pretentious and his films are like whimsical. But And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think he's very good at that. He, he sells it well. It's charming. But I think that kind of thing, it, a little definitely goes a long way. Mm. Too much of it would make you a bit sick. So I was glad that the film clocked in just over 90 minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. The three Tenenbaum children performed Margot's first play on the night of her 11th birthday. They had agreed to invite their father to the party. What'd you think, Dad? Mm, it didn't seem believable to me. Well, did you at least think the characters were well-developed? What characters? There's a bunch of little kids there dressed up in the animal costumes. Good night, everyone. So basic plot summary. So this film, it was released in 2001 and it is about, the Royal Tenenbaums is about a wealthy New York family who are very eccentric. Uh, The head of the household is Royal Tenenbaum, Mm -hmm. the dad, who is played by Gene Hackman. It's a weird film title because I was assuming that they were like a royal family or something. But no, his first name is Royal. Fair enough, weird first name. So why is it called the Royal Tenenbaums? Well, I assumed it was because... It'd be like calling it the Harry Chapels. The Harry Chapels. <laughs> is that your sequel? It seems <laughs> no, like the kind of thing you would no. do. Well, I think they did play like a royal family a lot. I'm going to come mm. to this. Like They did seem like they were very, very wealthy and mm-hmm. they were very much isolated from the rest of the world. They were mm-hmm. very quirky. And it had a lot of kind of... Aspe- I don't know if this was deliberate or not. I suspect it was. It had a lot of kind of plot strands that reflected kind of monarchy mm. like in, there's an incest plot line and there's, there's tons of inbreeding and in, you mm-hmm. know when you look back on ver- various monarchies they're very privileged obviously they're generally quite miserable and overcome with ennui and you know mm-hmm. one of them keeps a hawk which made me think of Henry the Eighth. you know and I think it was just the idea that they America doesn't really have a have a royal family mm. and maybe the closest thing to an American royal family would be a family of like New York socialites so I feel like I feel like it was a d- deliberate choice to kind of say that this is... It was all about family and passing down of the torch and kind of... There's a whole plot line d- around divorce as well, whether or not he wants to keep stay married to his wife even though they've not seen each other for years and then mm-hmm. she wants to marry someone else and there's a whole dispute about that. So, yeah, I think it just is because rich, middle-class eccentrics are basically as close to, to minor royalty as America gets. So mm-hmm. that was my understanding of it anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Gene Hackman plays Royal Tenenbaum. One of his final roles, he retired from... He's still alive, but he retired from acting in 2004. Mm-hmm. This is one of his last major successes. He's bought this house in New York, and then he... Did he abandon his family, or did they kick him out? He abandoned them. Yeah, I think he, he did. He abandoned them. So he abandoned his family sometime when they were his children were young. He has three children with his wife, Ethelene. Mm-hmm. Everyone has ridiculous names in this film. Yeah. Uh, and Ethelene is played by Angelica Houston. Uh, and her three children are Chaz, Margot, and... Uh, Richie. And Richie. Chaz, Margot, and Richie, yes. Played by Gwyneth Paltrow, Ben Stiller, and Luke Rawson. Mm-hmm. And the film catches up with them in present day when they're all kind of in the mid-30s, I guess. Mm-hmm. The children. And basically, he, Royal Tenenbaum, has got wind that his wife, who he's been estranged from for like over a decade, wants to now get remarried to somebody else, played by Danny Glover, who's like her assistants or no they work together they're like they're colleagues as archaeologists 
Yeah, I think so. I think they're both archaeologists and their colleagues. Anyway. Or was he like a, a lawyer or something? Was he a accountant, maybe? I think he was a accountant. Yeah, yeah he was a accountant, that's it. Yeah, there's a lot of tangled webs in this plot. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so she wants to get married to Danny Glover, Angela Keaton. Gene Hackman gets wind of this, comes back, claims that he's dying of stomach cancer and has six weeks to live. Mm-hmm. And so he's allowed to move back into the family home, which he's not been in for like a decade or so. Mm-hmm. And all the children move back in to kind of make their peace with him. Mm-hmm. Except it turns out that he's not dying. Mm-hmm. He's just made the whole thing up, which they deal with quite quickly. They do, don't they? It's not like it's a whole big thing. It's like not like a, a whole deception. They figure it out quick. Quite, well, Danny Glover figures it out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And then they're kind of pissed off for a while, but then they kind of forgive him. And then, yeah, the film just kind of bounces around all these quirky little people and their engagements and how they relate to each other mm-hmm. and kind of ends on a bittersweet note where they kind of decide that... They kind of rebuild relationships with their Yeah, they kind, of, they kind of get back together as a family, like all of them do. Yeah, exactly. They all kind of... Because they've all gone out. their completely separate ways. Yes, exactly. And, uh, and yeah, it ends with um, him dying some years later. Time frames were never clear. It's that, well, that's, that's kind of in, like, credits. Yeah, yeah, post-credit is that yeah. he, di- he dies of a heart attack, but the upshot is that the whole family is together and, mm. you know, they've reconciled and it's all good. Mm. And, yeah, I mean, it's not really a very plot-heavy film, so that is essentially yeah. what happens. So, yeah, who was your favourite character? Because it is a very character. Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Margot, yeah, I like yeah. Margot too. She's good. What did you like about Margot? She just looks so moody all the time. She did. <laughs> Brilliant. I really appreciate it about Margot is that she, whatever the situation was, she could be at a funeral, she could be at the hospital, she could be smoking in the bath wearing mm-hmm. only a negligee. She always had a perfect smoky eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her makeup was always flawless on point and her hair was always just flat ironed to perfection. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Margot was married to the writer and neurologist Raleigh Sinclair. She was known for her extreme secrecy. For example, none of the Tenenbaums knew she was a smoker, which she had been since the age of 12. Nor were they aware of her first marriage and divorce to a recording artist in Jamaica. She kept a private studio in Mockingbird Heights under the name Helen Scott. She had not completed a play in seven years. So we had... Gene Hackman, I guess, as Royal the Father, mm-hmm. um, who I guess you would know best from Superman. He was the original Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. Anything else you know Gene Hackman from? Don't think so. He's the, the father figure, and he's kind of, not quite a rascal, but a, um, he's kind of a deadbeat dad almost. Like mm. He lives on credit a lot, and he, he he doesn't seem to have much paternal instinct to him. No. Like, he always refers to Margot as his adopted daughter. Yeah. And there's a, there's a kind of a running joke where Ben Stiller's character, Chaz, is very bitter because when they were kids, they were playing BB guns together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he, even though they were on the same team, he shot him in the knuckle. Mm-hmm. And that bullet has been lodged in his knuckle ever since, mm-hmm. causing him a lot of bitterness. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you're not a huge, generally a huge fan of Ben Stiller, so how did you find him in this? Oh, it was great. Yeah. yeah, it was absolutely fine. It was quite low key for Ben Stiller, wasn't it? It was, yeah. He wasn't really like Ben Stillering. Yeah, I guess that's why I didn't really mind him that much. Mm-hmm. He wasn't hateable. No, no, he wasn't. He was just kind of there. Yeah. Mm. He's the most obvious example of something I really noticed in this film, which is that nobody ever changes out of their clothes. Yeah. Everyone's always wearing the exact same costume all the time. It's like, these people must stink. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He's got the most obvious example of that because he uh, is always filmed wearing a red Mm tracksuit, which he also makes his kids wear matching red Mm tracksuits. And they're just around these red tracksuits the whole film for reasons unclear. Yeah. He's been widowed. His wife has died in a plane crash before the film starts. And so he's become obsessed with keeping his family safe to mm-hmm. the point where he's constantly waking up in the middle of the night and making them do fire drills, making them mm-hmm. on fire drills and stuff. Um, so he's very overprotective. I did like, did you notice the one time the clothes changed? No. At the end of the film, when 
Gene Hackman, the dad has died, and he goes, there's the funeral. He's wearing a black tracksuit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really nice right. little visual gag. Isn't it? <laughs> nice. It's the exact that. same design, but it's in black. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he was fu- he was okay. Uh, he didn't do loads in the film. He was mm. he was kind of one of the more forgettable characters, really. Yeah, he was. He didn't really have a major storyline. No, it was just like, oh, I'm mad at my dad. And mm. then I'm, at the end, he's slightly less mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's, so then there's Margot Gwyneth Paltrow, who we've covered. Um, this might be one of my favourite Gwyneth Paltrow roles. I think she's good at playing, like, moody, rich, snobby, you know, intellectuals. Mm-hmm. That seems to be her gear like that she's good at. Yeah. Um, she looked great in this film. Didn't she? She really looked good. Mm. <laughs> like, not just the makeup, but, like, I was obsessed. With, I was very obsessed with eyebrows in this film. Really? Why? I don't know. I, like, I don't really notice any. Her hairs were like non-existent. They were like so pale that you'd barely see them because mm. her eyes were so like dark. It really made them pop. I don't know. I also noticed that Owen Wilson has weird eyebrows. Yes, well, he's just weird in general. He's a strange looking man. When we did The Cable Guy, mm-hmm. I commented on his eyebrows and I thought that was a choice for that film. But then I watched this and I was like, you know, people just spend too much time looking at Owen Wilson's nose when the real story is in his eyebrows. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's where it's all really going on. Uh, Let me just get a photo of him off. I need to see this again. He just generally is very weird. He's just an odd-looking fellow. Yeah. Look at that. That's strange. I mean, man. not to be cruel, but, like, imagine seeing a picture of that person and not knowing what they do and saying, what is that person's job? How how many guesses <laughs> do you think you'd get before you got to A-list movie star? Yeah, weird. Heartthrob of the early 2000s. <laughs> see, it's not just... It's not just his nose and his eyebrows, his mouth as well. His mouth is never doing a normal thing in a photo. His entire face is just very strangely proportioned, isn't it? It's like, brilliant. Yeah. I love it. It's like an impressionist painting. It's kind of like one of Tom Cruise's stunts went wrong. <laughs> what, and he's had major reconstructive yeah. facial surgery? <laughs> wow, we're being really mean to We are. <laughs> he's got a bit of a Tom Cruise about him, doesn't and, he? I know what you mean. Yeah, it does look like Tom Cruise wearing heavy prosthetics, yeah. Yeah. Or what was your line about John Travolta? A 3D, pr- a, a version of Tom Cruise built by a 3D printer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyway, so what were we yeah. talking about? Sorry, Owen. Yeah. So Owen Wilson's in this film. Yeah. He's not one of the siblings. He plays a family friend called Eli Cash. See at a glance. Oh dear God. <laughs> okay, Harry's just posted a photo of Donald Trump. Was that brought up? Because yeah, you just Google, you done a Google search picture. for Owen Wilson, and one of the top results is uh, Donald Trump in an Owen Wilson wig, which is. Not a million miles away at all. No, it's really not. Isn't it's it? like give him thirty years. Yeah, yeah, that could be what he ends up looking like. Yeah, oh, that's oh, terrifying. Oh, poor Owen. Yeah, that, that is uh, that is chilling. Uh, okay, close that down. I don't want to look at that. Uh, <laughs> the whole podcast that'll really put me off my stride. Um, so yeah, Owen Wilson plays a friend of the family called Eli Cash, who mm. is a writer. Yeah, I never really got anything of what he was. Well, I feel like the point is that he's supposed to be a not a very a commercially successful but not very good writer. Okay. Because he writes these historical novels which sound awful. Mm-hmm. Like there's an amazing line he weighs at a like a press conference kind of thing, and he's talking about his current hit novel called Old Custer or something, uh, as in General Custer from Custer's Last Stand, which I think is a famous American story, sure. uh, which may or may not be true. Eli was an assistant professor of English literature at Brooks College. The recent publication of his second novel had earned him a sudden, unexpected literary celebrity. Well, everyone knows Custer died at Little Bighorn. What this book presupposes is, maybe he didn't? Yeah, I remember that, and then thinking, oh, 
there's like sort of ideas that we come up with. Yeah, it sounded like really hacky <laughs> and funny. So I, mean, I guess the idea is he's not actually a very good writer, but yeah. he, he sells a lot of books. His, his outfit is a cowboy. Yeah. Because everyone in this film is basically in costume. Yeah. And his fancy dress costume is, he's a cowboy. He's sleeping with Margot, who's having an affair with her husband, played by Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. And he is addicted to drugs, mm-hmm. specifically mescaline. Uh, and there is a scene at the end of the film where he paints his face for no reason. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Everything in this film is at such like a low energy level, like which is very Wes Anderson. Mm. It's not like whoa, crazy shit's happening. It's like oh, I'm on mescaline now. I'm going to run over a dog and my face is painted. Like you know, it's very kind of matter of fact. It's such a dramatic scene in any other director's hands. Like yeah, there's is. a wedding, and he comes speeding down the the road mm-hmm. with his face painted bright red, mm-hmm. and he's like holy shit. And then he like crashes his car into the house mm-hmm. and kills a dog and almost kills two children. Mm-hmm. Now, in any other director, that would be like the action set piece of the film. But in this film, it was kind of like, oh, that happened. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, we just flew in through a yeah. first story window. Well, that was unexpected. Yeah. yeah. And the characters really underreact. Yeah. Like, I think Margot Gwyneth Paltrow just kind of looks out the window and kind of lights up another cigarette and goes, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ben Stiller is the only one who actually reacts to it. Yeah, he's the only one who really reacts to anything. Um, and it's the one time that you're just like, oh my God, yeah, that's all justified now. Yeah, your fears have been justified. Yeah. Your, ch- your children wear arms whenever. Yeah. Although they don't really spend a lot of time mourning that poor dog, Barkley. No, they don't do that. <laughs> they got over it very quickly. You never see. For the, the like, kid- you replaced your goldfish in more time than they replaced that dog. Yeah, exactly. It's a matter of minutes. You don't even know which goldfish died. I'm still not entirely sure. <laughs> <laughs> your poor goldfish. A poor dog. But yeah, but I don't care about dogs. The poor goldfish. You, you rank goldfish higher than dogs in the scale of like... Yeah, goldfish just... never done anything to me. Okay, that's fair. They struggle to, because they struggle to do anything to anyone in general. They don't really do anything. Exactly. They're more of an ornament than a pet. That's why you allow them in... <laughs> that's why you allow them in flats, genuinely, because in, in the contract of a house, of a... When you're renting a house or a flat, mm. goldfish count as ornaments, not mm. as pets. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that's John's uh, rent control corner sort of <laughs> aspect of the podcast on. Yeah. Yeah, so he's kind of insane. There's lots of good visual gags with him, not only in his cowboy outfit. There's a really good scene when Margot walks into her bedroom and he's waiting for her and he's just kind of wearing his cowboy hat and just some briefs. So he's mm. just kind of like, hey. <laughs> just yeah. doing his sexy pose and it's hilarious. Yeah. Was that your sexy pose, by the way? No, that was my impression of his sexy pose. Okay, okay. When, when I do my sexy pose, you'll know. Um, You're just going to show me your prostate gland. Or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> if you ask nicely. Yeah, and there's a scene where he's just randomly smoking in a giant hooker pipe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which was just... There's lots of strange little visual cutaways that don't really mean anything, but mm. are pretty funny. So, yeah, but she's also married to Bill Murray, mm-hmm. uh, Margot, Rally Sinclair. All mm-hmm. the characters have great names. That is a brilliant name. That's a very well Anderson thing as well. Characters with just good names. Yeah. Um, who's not in this very much. No, he's not, is he? I was quite disappointed at how little he was in this film. Yeah. Because isn't it at the start... A tiny bit in the middle and at the end, mm-hmm. but he did keep that patient with him the whole time. Yeah, I had a lot of questions about that. <laughs> is he a living yeah, patient? What, like, yeah, what's going on there? Because like she says, "Look, I'm leaving." Yeah, when he's just in with that patient anyway, mm-hmm. and so it's just a bit unprofessional. And the patient sort of getting involved there, and then he's just there for the whole film. Mm. Like even gets invited to the wedding and takes her brother to the hospital, and then at one point is seen with blood down his front. Yeah, he seems more like a companion <laughs> slash pet than, yeah. than there's a patient, really. Like, like where are his ward. parents? Yeah, almost like, yeah, because there's a scene where uh, Bill Murray finds out that Margot has been cheating on him. Yeah. And he's kind of lying on the sofa, he's really depressed. And the little kid kind of says, do you want to do some experiments on me? Mm. And he's like, no, I'm not in the mood. <laughs> I'm too depressed. Was there something else going on with those two behind the scenes? I'm not sure. I think, yeah, it definitely hinted at it. Maybe not anything that 
twisted, but certainly an unusual relationship was happening there. Mm. Yeah, it was odd. Dudley suffers from a rare disorder combining symptoms of amnesia, dyslexia, and colorblindness with a highly acute sense of hearing. There is also evidence of... I'm not colorblind, am I? I'm afraid you are. Uh, and then, oh, the other brother is Luke Wilson, who's mm-hmm. not playing Owen Wilson's brother, even though they're both in the film. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he's kind of a bit of a sad character as well, because he's in love with Margot, who is his adoptive sister. Mm-hmm. So it's not technically illegal. Mm-hmm. Although it's still gross and weird, mm-hmm. and the film never really gets past that, mm-hmm. because they've been family since they were like two. Mm. But yeah. Well, look, at least the at least Royal Tannenbaum's kind of, he, he's speaking what the audience is saying, it's just like, yeah, I guess it's all right, but like it's frowned upon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. He's remarkably kind of um, sanguine about the whole thing. I would, yeah. What do you mean? Well, just the, the idea that his adopted daughter and his son are sleeping together or in mm. love with each other. He's very much like, oh, okay, sure. Like he doesn't mm. seem particularly bothered by anything. To be fair, but, mm. yeah, I found that. Quite well, maybe fair. by that point he realised that he doesn't really have the right to say like, no, you're doing the wrong thing with your life. True, true, true. He seems quite zen in general. Mm. Yeah. And he he lives on a boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like on a, a constant around the world cruise, which is another very Wes Anderson kind of moment. Oh, and he, he's kind of he has kind of a sad arc because he attempts suicide in one of the more serious moments in the film. Yeah, that was um, I didn't really see that coming at all. No, again, it felt like the film took a very steep curve. Yeah, that wasn't really fun to watch. <laughs> no, it, it got super serious. Like it really got very serious for a moment. Right? How are you feeling? Fine, thanks. Are you in any pain? Not really. Why'd you try to kill yourself? Don't press him right now. I wrote a suicide note. You did? Yeah. Right after I regained consciousness. Can we read it? No. Can you paraphrase it for us? Okay, there's one character I haven't talked about yet who's very important to this whole film. Pagoda. Oh, that's the guy who was in Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes, he's in all of them, I think. He's in all Wes Anderson's films. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, yeah, so he's well, he's like the family servant, I think. Mm. But he he also stabbed Gene Hackman once and then stabs him again. In oh, the yeah. <laughs> what was Gene Hackman's line there? Just like this is the last yeah. time you're going to stab me or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. And there seems to be no repercussions for that. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, he wasn't injured. He wasn't bleeding. Like it didn't seem to cut through his clothes. It no. was just like yeah. Did you know he was 82 when he made that film? Really? Yeah. The actor died shortly after making Grand Budapest at the age of 92. Mm. Wow. And Grand Budapest came out like 12 years after. Mm. So. Yeah, he looked great on it. Like, I, mm. I thought he was like in his 50s. Right? Yeah, yeah. He saved my life, you know. 30 years ago, I was knifed in a bazaar in Calcutta. He carried me to the hospital on his back. Who stabbed you? He did. Uh, yeah, so, oh, and there's also some narration in this film. This film was narrated. Oh, yes. By? Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, yeah. What did you think of the narration? Standard Alec Baldwin. It was very eloquent. First of all, I was wondering who he was supposed to be. Yeah, I was wondering that a little bit. I was thinking, wait, is this is, is this Royal Tannenbaum? And then like, oh no, no, clearly not. Yeah. But yeah, I very quickly just learned that it, it, there's this there's not going to be a character. He's not going to come out at the end, and we're, gonna, we're not going to see Alec Baldwin. It's just picked him. He's got a good voice. Oh, I really thought he was going to. I loved the 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 writing of it. One thing I love about Wes Anderson is how much detail he puts in where it just doesn't need to be. Oh sure, yeah. It was really good in the right in the narration. Mm-hmm. That's very true. I actually thought he was going to turn out to be the dog or something, right? <laughs> like either the dog or the bird. You know, the hawk. Oh yeah, yeah. I really thought Alec Baldwin was going to because that would be a very Wes Anderson thing to do for him to be like 
the dog that got run over. Like, mm. it would ascend to doggy heaven and he'd be there, like, and it was me. Also, he disappears. The narr- like the first half, like, 20 minutes of the film is all narration. Mm-hmm. And then it just stops. Mm. And then about an hour and ten in, he just randomly reappears. And I was like, oh, 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 where did you come from? <laughs> <laughs> I was re- Strange reaction. I mean, though. I was a little bit tired. It was like 2am and I was like, oh my God, I need to finish this film. So I was, I was slightly like... Um... I mean, I know you watched this right after watching Deadpool 1. Yeah. So... I was slightly disoriented, yeah. Yeah. So, was... so, so you, were, you, you were kind of expecting Ryan Reynolds to come in at any point and just say, look at my balls. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which felt like Alec Baldwin could do that at any moment. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was just a, it was a weird choice how he narrates so much and then nothing and then he just pops back up for a random sentence. Mm. Because the whole thing's based on a book that's not a real book, though. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's set into chapters, mm. and you see the writing before. I like that, because you have a few yeah. seconds to read the writing, and then you yeah, see it, yeah, and I yeah, love, yeah, like, good. quickly reading to see as much as I could see. Like, yeah, I've seen that, too. It's good yeah. fun that way. Yeah, so, on the whole, good film. Yeah, yeah. great. Thumbs up. It felt a lot like uh, Amelie on Downers. <laughs> Sure, yeah, okay. Do you know what I mean, like the, interesting way to put it, but uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean, like, because it had that visual, that real quirky kind of foreign movie, like bright primary colours and quirky characters thing of Amelie, but we're in Amelie, everyone's like super hyped up, mm-hmm. and like in this film, everyone's quite sad and downbeat and sardonic. Mm. So it really felt, it felt like it could easily be in French. Mm. Like the story was, yeah. it had like an Amelie-ish plot, Amelie-ish kind of cinematography, etc. Mm. I think they probably came out around the same time, so... I'm not saying it was directly influenced by it, but they definitely have similar visual cues, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> Drinking games? Yeah, okay. So, do you want to start? Yeah, uh, standard with Amazon drinking game. Drink for any centre-aligned shot. Centre-aligned shot. Oh, is that mm. when they cut away to something? Right? No, as in when the subject is, like, dead centre on the screen. Oh, that's what I meant. Yeah. Because my first one was drink for captions and cutaways. Do you mean the same sure. thing with like slam cuts to something like, and then there's like a caption underneath saying like? No, 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 that's not what I meant. I mean, if you look at the way that he lines up his shots, like where people are standing or where props are or something, it's very often symmetrical. Oh, okay, right. And I'm surprised you haven't noticed this. It's in all of Wes Anderson films. Okay, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, they're, they're looking almost directly into the camera. Yeah, they do yeah. that a lot. You see it much more in like the Art of Dogs. Sure, sure. Where they can plan it much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, trying to for a central line shot. That's a good one. But no, my first one was whenever they do like it was almost Family Guy esque. They'd have like cutaways to like visual sight gags, and mm-hmm. they'd always have like captions underneath. Mm-hmm. Like when Ethelie and the mum Angelica Houston is talking, it mentions that she has been she's had many suitors since her husband left her, mm-hmm. and then it cuts to every single suitor with like their name underneath. Mm-hmm. Just little things like that. Mm-hmm. Or, or my favorite running gag, which is uh, Margot's mysterious past. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of the, her character traits is that she's incredibly secretive about her mm-hmm. life and no one really knows what she's been up to. Mm-hmm. She ran away at 21 and got married to like some random Jamaican guy. Her finger got cut off by her biological dad. Mm-hmm. I loved the scene where her finger got cut off. Yeah, it was great. So funny because she just barely reacts. Yeah. It's just like, ow. Like, yeah. It was so typical of that character. <laughs> like, like just very Gwyneth Paltrow, just kind of like, mm. What happened to your finger? It's okay, I'll tell you. I'm adopted. Did you know that? Well, I am. When I was 14, I went to find my real family. They live in Indiana. All right, now just set one of them hickory trunks right up top there, Sister Maggie. Did you try to sew it back on? Wasn't worth it. Well, leave some to mind. Drink for injuries. Drink for injuries, sure. There's a lot in this. So we have a, a... Gwyneth loses a finger. Yeah. What else happens? Uh, ben Stiller gets uh, an egg gun to the hand. He does, yeah. BB gun to the mm-hmm. hand, yeah. 
Uh, Royal Tenenbaum gets stabbed. He does. You're right. Yeah. A lot of people get punched. Mm-hmm. Owen Wilson goes through a window. He does. I forgot about that. Yeah. Mm. And emerges like without a scratch. Yeah. Mm. Um, there's probably a few others that I've missed, but yeah, there's plenty of injuries in this. No, that's very true. There are. It's more violent than you'd think. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, I had drink for smoking. Sure, I think I might have had that one as well. Yeah, yeah, mostly Margot. Yeah. Drink for any time a character is showing a very obvious dis- dysfunction, such as attempted suicide. Sure, <laughs> incest. Another one. Yeah, sure. <laughs> or paranoia. Yes, sure. Mm-hmm. Ben, ben Stiller's paranoia. Drink yeah. for Ben Stiller's paranoia. Cool. Plenty of things going on. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, drink whenever Alec Baldwin, as the, the narrator, pronounces something in a really odd way. He started buying real estate in his early teens and seemed to have an almost preternatural understanding of international finance. Um, okay, drink for text on the screen. Yeah, mm, yeah. Bit of a boring one, but yeah. Yeah, I can see that. That'd be mm-hmm. good. You'd be hammered. <laughs> You'd be absolutely hammered in the first, like, ten minutes in itself, like. Mm-hmm. But then it stops for ages. Well, there's still the chapter, the headings, which happen every like 10 minutes. You know, once every now and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like eight of them, so. Sure. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, drink for bizarre props. Sure. Plenty of them. Yeah, again, just lots of weird little sight gags. Anymore? Yeah, last one. Drink for when you notice a costume. Okay. When you're just like, that's weird what he's wearing, or something like that. Sure. But I mean, nobody gets changed in this film, so that'd be that'd dry up by the first 20 minutes when everyone's been introduced. Sure, I guess. But yeah, but yeah no, they all do. They all are dressed in drinks. very specific clothes, which I appreciate. It. Well, Tannenbaum changes his costume quite a lot, actually. He, do, he does. He's the he only one who seems Because he goes through quite a big character arc. Yeah, I think he's the only one who experiences personal growth. The other characters all kind of start and end the same. Mm. So, okay. No, there's enough there mm-hmm. to get you through. My last one was drink whenever you spot an extra. <laughs> right. Because there were hardly any. Sure. It was really weird. I'm sure it was a choice. Like, you just complained at me for not having very many in my drinking game. Now you're just like, drink for for whenever you rarely see an extra. Yeah, okay, sure. But I'm just saying, it, it, it's because it's leading to a point about the way this film is shot, is that it feels like all the characters are in this weird cut-off world in which there's not, the real world never intrudes. Like, even when they're out in public, you just never see anyone, like, walking the streets. Mm. Like, the entire, it's a very empty movie. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure was deliberate, but just found it interesting. Mm, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Yeah, I think I'm pretty much done too. Okay, great. Well, on some sequels? Or do we talk about Patreon for a little bit? I think we talk about Patreon. That is, that is the tradition now. Oh, my. Oh, my, indeed. Well, um, we are on Patreon, and if any of you would like to support the show in any way, mm-hmm. because you've enjoyed it, and maybe you want to say thank you in a way. Or maybe just because you want to hear some more. Yeah, maybe you want to hear we, some we more. We are offering some really good bonus content. So on patreon.com slash set, you will find a bonus show called Beyond Beyond the Box Set. where it's weekly. It's weekly-ish. We did more around the Oscars. We did like two or three a yeah, week. Yeah, it's, it's a weekly minimum. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we'll do more. And yeah, so we, we review films that are in the cinema right now. Mm-hmm. Although weirdly, I believe our current latest episode is Logan. Which came um, up two years ago. Yeah. But uh, that, like one year ago, but yeah. There was, a re- there was a reason for that though. Yeah. In general, we do new cinema releases. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Every month, we will get one of our Patreons to come on, on on the show, if you want to, or just pick a film for us. And we'll cover it, yeah. Yeah. I really like those ones, actually. They're good. They're good, yeah. We've got, got some coming up soon, I'm excited for. So. Yeah. Cool. I'm looking forward to hearing who that's going to be. Also, if you want to, you can send in some personal details or some made-up details. You don't need to tell us if they, if they are real or not. And we will write you into one of our sequels. 
Uh-huh. Do you think maybe this is the reason we don't have more Patreons? Is, do you think this... Well, because we keep asking for personal details. Yeah, I think maybe we might think we're running some kind of Ponzi scheme. I don't know. All right, okay, we're abandoning that. No, well, yeah, one, that, no, no that, one's, There's been no take-up. That's no longer the case. You can no longer do that. You can send us your personal details, but we won't do anything with them. Yes, fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and we do a, uh, an ad slot every month as well. 30 second ad slot. Well, yeah, if, if you are one of our Patreons, every episode will have an ad yeah. slot, but if you are one of our Patreons, we will give you a guaranteed 30 second ad slot once per month mm-hmm. where you can promote anything you like. You can promote your podcast, your business, somebody else's podcast, someone else's business, something you like, or Harry, this is your cue to um, You me. can promote, for example, <laughs> you, you have nothing of note in your apartment today. No? Um... There's nothing interesting in here. I did what you suggested and added some nice Portuguese tiling to my cooker. Great. You, uh, if, if you want, you can advertise some poorly positioned tiles. Uh, <laughs> Who uh, the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> John, they're not even centred. Where do you think they should be? We're doing a Where's Anderson episode. Centre them, goddammit. Oh, I'll centre right, Fine. So what, are we thinking, like, down here? No, like, horizontally centred. They're a little bit to the left. Oh, right, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, probably space them out as well, I think. Don't put them all together. More. More. And, and make them all higher. All of them higher. Right, I really Thank you. Okay. Oh, my God, that is awfully unstraight. <laughs> you just, I, I'm giving up. No, no. Just <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> okay, that doesn't look great. I think we're better before. <laughs> Okay, so John's just trying to align these tiles. He's looking at them very closely, but he just cannot get it right. Have you got a ruler, John? No. The measuring tape or something? I don't know. John's interior design skills are... Well, they're lacking, to say the least. John, what were those red things? Sorry? What were those red things? What red In that drawer. Go back in that drawer. This one? Yeah. These? These silicon, oh, silicon oven gloves, they look really weird. Just Are they for your prostate? They tickle my prostate. That's why they're so greasy. Um... Oh, God. <laughs> okay, I do not have a... Um... Alright, well, you sort that out by next week, alright? Okay, fine. So well, it's, your, you... it's your homework. Fine, okay. My assignment is to... Okay, so... Um, Alright, you better put photos online of this, just to give context to everybody. Sure. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you can promote Portuguese tiling, I guess. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we're getting at with that. Well, uh, yeah, so that's patreon.com slash set. Mm-hmm. It's a pay-as-you-feel uh, system, so you can pay anything from $2 a month to $1,500 a month, and uh, you get everything, no matter what you pay. Whatever you think we're worth, then uh, we'll accept it. Yeah, gratefully. And we will be very appreciative. And if there's anything you'd like us to do to make our Patreon proposition even more enticing, please Pro- let us know. Probably that doesn't involve personal details. Sure, sure, sure. But whatever, just, you know, we're open to suggestions. Mm. So uh, please let us know. Because we do want to create a high quality experience for our Patreon listeners. So mm. let us know what you want. We'll do it. Great. Okay. On with whatever this is. Hey, Drew, what are you doing Wednesdays? Wednesdays? You know, specifically on Wednesdays, I watch movies. Oh, I like to talk about movies. You want to talk about them? Talk about them? Why don't we record talk Oh my about gosh, them? like a podcast. Definitely like a podcast. Ah, oh, and we could have the reels and the feels. But what would we call it? How about 
the Real Feels podcast. I love we can, it. We can talk about the best parts of the movies, the worst parts of the movies, our favorite lines. Every other Wednesday? On like Podbean and iTunes. I'll see you there. All right. It will be the realest. The feelest. So, I can't wait to hear this. All right. Well, I've had a difficult time writing this. Okay. So, instead of writing one big idea, I've got three small ones. Okay. All of differing quality. Okay. So I'm going to start with, in my opinion, the worst first. Sure, okay. build up get to out what, the way. Build up to what might be the funnest. Okay, cool. So the first one, quite short, like I say, um, is called The Royal Kardashians. The Royal Kardashians, okay. Mm-hmm. So Wes Anderson sets out to remake the film, but with Kardashians that are, instead of the Tenenbaums. As okay. a twist, the Kardashians will be playing themselves. Okay. This is going to be a TV show documenting the behind the scenes. Whereas Anderson will probably lose his mind over the course of the show. And in another twist, in the final episode, it is revealed to everybody that there was never any film in the camera. <laughs> Hilarity ensues. Okay, so this is a filming of a film about... Yeah, Wes Anderson has been tricked into thinking that he's remaking this film, but with the Kardashians who are playing themselves. Okay. And this is going to be sort of like a reality TV show, which obviously the Kardashians do. Are good at, yeah. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah, a reality TV show based on that essentially I actually think that's pretty fun I like that idea because it's like the highbrow pretentious arty world of Wes Anderson meeting the mm-hmm. kind of lowbrow world of the Kardashians mm-hmm. do you know who you would be casting like like for like like who'd play who well they would play themselves oh so they're not playing characters from the real Tenenbaums no 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 they're, they're, so I, it's just about that I don't know much about the Kardashians the Kardashians <laughs> um, I'm just assuming they've all got massive egos and would love to play themselves Sure, yeah, it seems to be the way. Mm. Okay, no, I can I can actually, I can imagine that. I think that'll be kind of fun. It'd be great just to see how Wes Anderson deals with it. Totally, yeah. So I'm guessing Chris Jenner would be would be Angelica Houston. Would Caitlyn Jenner be Royal Tenenbaum? It's the point where we're in our reveal that you know all the Kardashians and I do not. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't watch the show, but I'm, <laughs> I'm just, osmosis, I picked up a vague knowledge of who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Caitlyn Jenner, I guess, I guess that makes sense. Comes back from a, a long absence. Having mm. changed, you know, mm, yeah. <laughs> in in quite a significant way, and then I guess Kim Kardashian would be. Well, she's married to Kanye West now. Yes. So, does that mean Kanye West is Bill Murray? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess. Oh, no, that's fun. <laughs> Kanye West is the new Bill Murray. Uh-huh. Still called Rally St. Clair. <laughs> Sure. Okay. I think that should be. I the... mean, that's not really the route I was going. I was no, no, going no. for much more of a exactly how the Kardashians well, got to where they got to. But you always sounds much better. Maybe that's his next album should be called Valley Saint Clair, and it's like an alter ego that he adopts. Oh yes, there we as go. As like a disaffected white guy with a with, with a mysterious assistant who runs who follows him everywhere. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm liking. This. So, and that means the other two have to be. Uh, oh, so that means that Kim Kardashian has to be. In an incestuous relationship. Oh, because they there there are adopted Jenners. There's a lot of them. I don't know the exact how it works, but there's like, I think there's like Kim Kardashian, Chloe Kardashian, and Kendall Kardashian, I think are the main three. Can I ask you a question, John? Sure. Now this weekend, up from when we're recording, it's uh, the royal wedding coming up and there's yes. obviously going to a royal wedding party. Do you know more about the Kardashians than our royal family? I hope not. Name our royal family. Well, there's Queen Elizabeth II uh-huh. and her loving husband, Prince Philip, the Duke uh-huh. of Edinburgh. Uh-huh. Then there is Prince Charles, uh-huh. who is wed to Camilla. Uh-huh. 
mm-hmm. formerly went to Princess Diana, mm-hmm. now deceased, people's princess, rest in peace. Then there's Prince Andrew, who was married to Sarah Ferguson. You're making a face like I think I know more than you on this too. I'm confused. Do you know who Prince Andrew is? No. Well, so I think I just generally know more than you about everything. I would deny it. Possibly excluding but I, but I, but I, like I... Marvel comics and, I don't know, mm. web design. So where are we going with this? Slice got into my next idea. You brought up. No, no, I want to follow this through. I want to follow this through. Okay. So if Kim Kardashian is Margot, mm-hmm. that means she has to be in a secret romance with an adopted sibling. Guess so. I think the only boy Kardashian, I forgot his name now, Rob, he doesn't even get a K. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're like full siblings. So that could be, it could, that could be the case. It'd be even more weird. But there are some adopted sisters who I think are half-sisters. There's Kylie Jenner and someone else Jenner. Courtney Jenner, maybe? Don't know why you're asking me. I don't know why I'm, Well, you brought... This is your plot I didn't mean for this idea to go yeah, this, this gone, much detail. This is really... Yeah, this, this is... I wasn't planning this. You've started just, stronger than you I was just going to read my little paragraph and just move on. But well, no, you've, no, you've, no, you've... I, I want to follow yeah, this through now. I seem to have unlocked something in you. So, yeah, there's got to be some kind of lesbian affair happening between Kim and one of her adopted siblings. Half-siblings, mm-hmm. maybe? They might actually be half siblings. They might all be Chris, Chris Jenner's kids. I'm not certain. But if there's anywhere there's no blood ties, let's do it there. Otherwise, it's going to be creepy. Uh, but sure. <laughs> so then that means, I guess, Chloe Kardashian could be Ben Stiller. Yeah, I can see her in a tracksuit. This is all purely for your own mind right now, John. And maybe, uh, hopefully, some of the listeners, but uh, I have no idea what's going on. I'm just following it through my own head, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, no, 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 I'm just... Okay, fine, Let, let's move on. I am I think I've established in my own head what that idea would look like, and I can say that I'm, I am I like it. Great. In fact, I think Wes Anderson should direct whatever remains of the TV show Keeping Up With The Kardashians. Lovely. I think that would be a really cool stylistic twist. Well, I'm glad you like my idea. I put a lot of effort in. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely some kind of, like, graph to the level of effort you put in versus the amount of enthusiasm I have for it. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. You put more effort into that idea than I have. What can I say? You inspired me. I wasn't expecting that one to be a collaborative thing, whereas these next two are very much collaborative things. Well, I'm spent, sorry, so you're on Okay, well, okay, this next one mm-hmm. uh, I've called Disney's The Royal Tenenbaums. Okay. So it is a straight remake of, of The Royal Tenenbaums, okay. but uh, in the style of that Robin Hood they did, where everybody is a cartoon animal. Right, okay. Because I saw Gwyneth Paltrow and I was like, she looks like she's... She would just suit being a cartoon animal. What animal would she be? I don't know, that's what I'm going to ask you. Okay. Mm. So I'm going to do this for everybody. Okay. So there's eight cast members. So starting off So this with is hand-drawn animation. Hand-drawn animation. It's the same plot, but they're all animal cartoons. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. So, so we start with Gwyneth? Sure, yeah. Okay, so she's very pale. Mm-hmm. She's very thin. Mm-hmm. She's very moody. Mm-hmm. Some kind of lizard? A lizard? I don't know. Like a, a salamander or something? What about a panda? T- too much body fat. Yeah, you're right. I just think... The smoky eye, yeah. yeah. Like a panda with an eating disorder? Is that too dark? (laughs) (laughs) The film's quite dark, John. A really hungry panda, like an emaciated panda. Sure, let's do it. Okay, she's a panda. Yeah. Um, Chain-smoking anorexic panda. Yeah. Okay, Gene Hackman, Royal Tannenbaum. Yeah. Um, They yes, rule the family, but they do not need to all be the same species. Okay, sure, okay. I think he... Unless you wanted it to, they could all be dogs. That's make for a very short pitching process, though. Yeah. I think he should be like an old grizzly fox, like a silver fox. Silver fox? Because he's kind of wily and untrustworthy, and he's also a silver fox. Yeah. 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 
Okay, yeah. Um, Angela Houston. Angelica Houston. Not Whatever. Angela Houston. Whatever. Um, I don't know who she is. Come on. The Adams Family? <laughs> uh, no, I've not really watched it. You've not seen The Adams Family? No. So that means you've not seen The Adams Family Values? No. Okay, stop the podcast. <laughs> We're going nowhere tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Screw Deadpool 2. No. Oh, damn it. Uh, okay, so Angelica Houston can be a... Well, she's very maternal. She's very white. Can she be an owl? Oh, yeah, good one. She'd be a good, good owl. One. Yes. And I, I can imagine an owl archaeologist, mm-hmm. like, scratching up some bones, like, fascinating. Okay, Danny Glover. She's an accountant. He was an accountant. With style. With a very stylish accountant, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he might work well as a fox as well. They can't both be foxes. Why not? They could be completely different styles of foxes. Yeah, I don't know what different styles of foxes there are. I mean, they could be foxes that look quite different. Maybe Angelica Houston's just got a type. She just that type it. being fox. Fox, yeah. <laughs> I don't just foxes. They always seem stylish in cartoons. You make a good point. What, what's another stylish animal? A panther. A bit on the nose, but um... is it? What you mean? Because he's black. Black panthers. Yeah. Like... I was genuinely thinking style. I know you were. Yeah, but I had the, the pink black panther, panther in my head when I said it. He could be a pink panther. Yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. You know, a straight pink panther. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Pink Panther. Got it. Because he was there with the bright colours, wasn't he? He, he did like a primary colour, yeah. Mm. Ben Stiller. Now, I was thinking for this one, his kids are the same. Okay. As, so as, they're as, the, the same The same animal. Okay. I mean, he probably would suit a dog, actually. I was thinking a chicken. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the, like, the yeah, sky now is we're falling. Talking. Chicken yeah. and two chicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Solid. Yeah. Yeah. Luke Wilson? Hmm. Maybe he could be a dog. Because yeah, he's playing ball games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense because he's kind of he's like a sad dog, like yeah. a hang dog. Yeah, like mm, yeah, like a golden retriever. Maybe yeah, just just a sad looking dog. And then we, when we see like the flashbacks to him in, being in tennis, he's really upbeat and happy. Yeah, and now, yeah. And now he's, he's like a dog. bloodhound or something. He's like, yeah. it's like a gone to seed kind of dog. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Owen Wilson. Ooh, he should be like a snake. Snake. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Yeah. He's always wearing like snakeskin cowboy stuff anyway, and he's kind of a Weasley or a weasel, a weasel maybe. Mm, yeah. That. Oh yeah. Weasel. 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 weasel yeah. uh, Bill Murray. Ooh, I think a bear. A bear. Yeah. Like a big grizzly bear. A big grizzly bear. Okay. Like a big sad grizzly bear. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A Valley Saint Clair, the grizzly bear. That works well. Yeah. So that's what that would be. Okay. And it's the same plot. It's not like Disney-fied for kids. It's the exact same film with animals. Well, it's getting bits of it could be Disney-fied a bit. Like, instead of suicide, we just lower the stakes a little oh, bit. Oh, good point. Are we going to have to watch the tragic scene of a bloodhound like, <laughs> opening its own wrist? Like... <laughs> Probably not. No. Um, Maybe just, like, jumps into a... What, what would a dog be scared of? Like, jumps into a pool or something and, like, tries to drown itself. And... <laughs> uh, I wasn't actually thinking attempted suicide. I was thinking... Oh, like... maybe it just eats a load of dark chocolate. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. There we go. Just binges on dark chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to live anymore. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, that works. Cool. Okay, well, that's pretty much that idea. Okay, yeah, cool. That's, that's nice. Okay, and the last one. Um, this is the best one. and these, the, the first two have gone down really well, so they, they, there's a lot of pressure on this third Good, idea. Good, I'm glad you like, you like them. Okay, now this last one is called The Royal Game Show. Okay. So in this one, Hollywood's most popular families of actors take part in a weekly game show competing to become Hollywood's new royal family. Okay. Families including the Kardashians, of course. Okay. Uh, the Hemsworths. Mm-hmm. The Baldwins. Okay. The Wilsons. Mm-hmm. The Drillenhalls. Yeah. And anybody else you can think of. The Arquettes. Who, who, who we got there? You've got David Arquette and Patricia Arquette. Who's David Arquette? Arquette. He was in Scream? Nope. 
Sure, we'll put them in. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Whatever. You know Patricia Rocket, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. What other sibling groups are there? The surviving Jacksons? <laughs> yeah. You still got Janet and Tito, I guess. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Latoya. The Jonas Brothers, maybe? Sure. The Orsons? Who? The oh, Orsons. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, now it's, it's interesting where we start getting into the episodes. Though, okay, sure. So the first one is going to be seeing how each family spares when they have to be stuck on a small desert island for a week. Okay. With no food and only rum to drink. So they're just with their own family, mm-hmm. with no food in it. And it's how how they survive in terms of how they get on. Is it like a reality show kind of thing? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. That one. Did you have any thoughts on where that would go? Not massively. Okay. I'm guessing lots of fighting. Mm-hmm. Maybe. So there's no food. It's essentially just forcing them to spend time with their family. Yeah, there's no food. Mm-hmm. So everybody's moods are just going to get really low and then up and bad and... Now, what? How does this get? How do people win or lose this game? Does like one family get knocked out every week? Judged or something? Um, yeah, sure, yeah. Okay. So, of the families we've mentioned, who do you think would do the worst on a desert island with only a bottle of rum? Hmm. Kardashians. You reckon? Yeah. In what sense? They're not always bickering. Yeah, but maybe it's to the point where they're quite good at bickering. Oh, maybe. Like maybe they've they, they've they've got the the ammunition to survive. You know. No, I mean to start. Questioning who's going to get knocked out might be a flawed idea because I don't really know how these families get on. Okay, sure, yeah. Don't know the ins and outs of every family. Okay. Connections do reality shows, the rest of them don't really. True. Okay, so then episode two would be Man versus Food and the Great British Bake Off. Okay. Where one family bakes high quantities of food for the other. They are judged on how good the food is and then their receiving families judged on how well it can eat. So, for example, as you're aware, my family can eat for the world. Yes. And we can cook for the world as well, so we'd do pretty well. Sure, okay. So how would, say, the Halls do? Mm-hmm. Or, say, the Hemsworths. I reckon the Hemsworths are all really good cooks, but I don't think that they've got that big appetites. Really? Mm. I would say the opposite. Mm. I can imagine, well, because they're, they're all really big. So I imagine they, like, burn mm. a lot of calories, you know. Whereas the, the Halls are all quite skinny. True, true. Well, we all know that the Baldwins would do pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, episode three. Competing on The Apprentice to try and raise money on the high streets. Okay. So now, it's, it's, so now it's a popularity game. Sure. Is this The Apprentice hosted by Alan Sugar or yes, Donald Alan, Trump? Alan, Not Donald Trump, Trump. Alan Sugar. Sugar, sure. definitely. Good, good, good. Not putting Donald Trump into one of my ideas. Good, good, good. Well, just for American listeners, The Apprentice in Britain is hosted by a business magnate called Alan Sugar, who is... Not without his problems, but is certainly nowhere near as bad as Donald Trump. And is also not our current leader of our country, which is definitely for the best. Mm-hmm. He knows his lane and he stays in it mostly, so good. Anyway, yeah. Alan Sugar, yeah, presiding over firing some families. I like that. Um, episode five, Olympic sports, uh-huh. including relays of running, swimming and cycling, um, and also the decathlon. So the Baldwins are out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Episode six, a singing contest. Okay. Could be similar to X Factor, could be similar to Eurovision. There could be a few different options you can take okay. with this. Um, I think that'd be quite fun to see. I think that's a good week for the Jacksons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and episode seven, my last idea, so potentially the finale, might also be quite good for the, dra- for the uh, Jacksons. RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that they have to then dress in dragon. Mm-hmm. You know, Latoya Jackson's been on RuPaul's Drag Race as a oh, really? not as a contestant, <laughs> okay. as a as a guest judge like three times. She's one of the most reoccurring judges. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 
I, I think actually, if you think about it, the Jacksons probably are America's royal family. <laughs> this would prove it. This would definitely prove it because mm. I mean, the Kardashians—they're big right now. But you think about it, they're like they're not a flash in the pan, but they've been—you know—nobody mm. really takes them seriously. Like the Jacksons have been part of American pop culture for like nigh on forty years at this point, mm-hmm. and everyone knows them. And you know, there's a lot of them. I mean, it's mostly just Michael and Janet, but you know, <laughs> the, the other ones have their moments. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's that or the Clintons, really, if you think of America's, like, dynasties. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I, I think it would be correct for the Jacksons to win. Think of any more episodes? Maybe, like, Family Fortunes. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, when they have to all answer the same question, get the same answer to the question, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you said RuPaul's Drag Race, but could they do, like, the Snatch Game. What's that? That's the bit where they do the celebrity impersonations, so they have to impersonate other celebrities and make funny jokes. Sure, yeah. 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 You saw that episode where Chad Michaels did share. It was really funny. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I did enjoy that. I'm an Oscar winner. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever good. um, So we've had, we've had like competitive eating and cooking. We've had sports. We've had drag. Uh, Survival. Survival. We've had singing. Uh, That's all the talents, really. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 straight to come dancing. I don't know why I got that excited. Wow, crikey. Uh, yeah, you could have like a Dancing with the Stars, like a, a, a dance-off episode. Yeah, oh yeah. That would be work. really good, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I'm on board. I think I see the concept and I enjoy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Who do you think would win? It's difficult to choose because, you know, cooking and eating don't really have much in, in similar with uh, singing and... Well, you've got to be a good all-rounder. Yeah, exactly. That's what it takes to be a royal, you know. Well, it, it's as a family, they need to be a good all-rounder. Exactly, yeah, they need to be someone who's good at everything. Right? Yeah. Whereas the Jacksons might all just be good at singing and dancing. True. And don't know what the Hemsworths are good at. <laughs> Lifting weights. Looking fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a beauty contest. Oh, Ooh. oh, oh. What's, what's that one that's on? Is it Channel 4 or something? Uh, where everybody's naked. And there's the screens that are just coming up and they've got to choose. All, like, what is it? Naked dating I don't, or something? I don't know what you watch late at night, Harry. But <laughs> I've never watched it. I've just seen it on like Gogglebox and stuff. Sure. Like people actually got full on frontal naked on Channel 4. It's really? great. Okay. I don't know. Naked attraction? Naked attraction, sure. That sounds familiar. I'm Googling this. I don't... <laughs> don't sound so desperate. No, no I was thinking... <laughs> I was actually thinking... God, there's a lot of people we've mentioned who I don't want to see full frontal nudity from. Yep, yeah, naked attraction. Okay. Oh, yeah, like the people who go on this show, they're, they're really not the best. <laughs> Some of them are. Sure, yeah. A lot of them, yeah. Not so much, no. So, yeah, Naked Attraction. We'll see how uh, see the Baldwins do against the Hemsworths. Sure. <laughs> I don't want to see Lissori Jackson's vagina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Anyway, okay. Do you, do you want to take over? <laughs> uh, sure. Well, I liked all of those ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they all have um, merit. Mm-hmm. I think your first one might have been your best, though, actually. Well, the Kardashians. The Kardashians. Oh, no, no, no. You said, okay. And then it was Disney. Disney. No, yeah, I do think. I think the Kardashian one, Wes Anderson trying to direct a tacky reality show, I think is actually a pretty funny idea. Yeah. Cool. Okay. No, I'm happy with all of those. You've done well this week. Great. Um, I also have three ideas this week rather than one. So it's a real, yeah, it's a bonanza. Oh, God. Okay. So, again, because I couldn't, it's a hard film to think of a single sequel. It really is. Although I feel like this format might be better. I think three short ideas might be like better than one long story. Uh, I might start doing. I, I like the variation. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll we'll keep doing different kind of things. Okay, so my first. I'm also going to go from weakest to strongest, in my opinion. <laughs> yep. So I'll start with my third idea, which is uh, called All About Margot. Okay. 
And this is a prequel slash sidequel, mm-hmm. which just explores all of the unexplored side plots of Margot's secret life that get hinted at in this film, but we never see. So I want to know all about her past, her brief marriage to a Jamaican guy when she was 21, mm-hmm. her many, many affairs, some with men, some with women, because mm-hmm. there's that whole montage where we see, see that she's kind of experimented sexually, uh, her travels around the world, losing her finger. Uh, how did she meet Raleigh St. Clair? Mm-hmm. Who is that kid? What's his story mm-hmm. that lives with Raleigh? So. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's just a general Margot biopic, I think. And I, maybe Gwyneth Paltrow can come back and just play a younger version of herself. I don't know. Yeah, I could see that. So would that be like a feature film? Would it be a TV show or what? I feel, I feel like it might be a feature. It could it could spin off to be a TV show, like The New Adventures of Old Margot or something. Um, <laughs> the New Adventures of Old Margot. Yeah. That's good. That's got a ring to it. Yeah. It, that, it's because it's a rip-off of an actual soap sitcom called The New Adventures of Old Christine. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cool. I'd love to claim credit for that, but no. Yeah, maybe, so I, I feel like it should be Gwyneth. I don't know who could play a younger version of Gwyneth, so maybe just have her play herself. She's looking good. She can do it. She, yeah, I mean, she doesn't like, it, it, really it would, age. Yeah, it wouldn't take much makeup to, to make her look, like, really young. No, true. Where she needs to be quite young. Yeah. I mean, she lives exclusively on, like, mung beans and caviar, so that's probably why she looks so young. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so that's the all about Margot. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my second idea is something entirely new for this podcast. I don't think we've ever tried this before. Hmm. Why please do you look so don't, scared? Please don't show me your, your gland. You need to get over this. Now you're <laughs> the one who's obsessed with it. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to try new things. <laughs> Story of your life. Um, no, I'm going to pitch, rather than a film or TV or musical, I'm going to pitch a spin-off board game. Okay. Because there was a certain point in this film when I thought to myself, oh, this film is Cluedo. It must be very late at night when you were watching I was pretty this. tired, yeah. <laughs> but no, because all of the characters are, like, archetypes. Because mm-hmm. they always wear the same clothes, and they're all kind of really highly stylized. Sure. So, you know how included you've got Miss White, Professor Plum, Reverend Green, you know? Mm-hmm. They're all really defined by a really instantly recognisable costume and character traits. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely true of these characters. Okay. You've got Margot with her smoky eye and her, you know, fur coats. You've got... Eli Cash as the cowboy. Mm-hmm. You've got Luke Wilson as the tennis player. You've got Ben Stiller in his tracksuits. I just think everyone's like, could be played by... A... Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. You know, it could be really, really boiled down to a board game. Mm. So I just really like the idea that maybe after Royal Tenenbaum dies, Gene Hackman's character dies, mm. maybe they're all, all the surviving characters are competing in this board game for the... Inheritance? Yes, to inherit, basically to inherit the family... To inherit the house and yeah. the family fortune. Yeah. And so the board game is you have to go around the board and get to the centre centre square or something, mm-hmm. which is maybe the grand bedroom or something where the will is kept. Sure. And the object of the game is to is to inherit the family fortune. Hmm. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of rolling of the dice. You choose a character, you move mm-hmm. around the board. There's going to be lots of secret passageways between all the rooms because it all takes place in the one house because mm-hmm. most of the plot is in that one weird house is it just a single race to get to a destination or do you have to like pick up different items on the way there's like you gotta go and find the pen so that you can scratch out whatever he's put on the world and you can put your own name on the world or something yeah well this is what i wanted you to help me with so i wanted to establish some rules okay i definitely feel like there should be some event cards right okay like what like an earthquake happens everybody goes back a space or something so i feel like you, you you roll the dice and you might land on like a you know in monopoly it's like community chest or mm-hmm. so maybe it's um 
different event cards and maybe it'll be stuff like uh, your dog gets run over by a mescaline addict go back three spaces mm-hmm. or benefit from white privilege move forward eight spaces something like that yeah 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 you write a moderately successful play go forward two spaces okay what if also every time you roll a dice or maybe every time like you roll a six or a one something like that um, you have to pick up a card sure and that card will give you some reason that you've got to like uh, your dog's injured, go to the infirmary sure. or something. And there's a room which is the infirmary. And you've got to go around all the rooms by the time you get to the middle. Yeah, oh, definitely. You should so, definitely have to hit every room. It's like Cluedo in that sense. Yeah. So then these cards will say, go back to the infirmary or something. But you've already been there, so it's a bit of a... Totally, yeah. Yeah. Or that's an advantage that like you've not been there. It's like, yes, I've got the infirmary. Yeah. And then you've got that one ticked off. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be a really cool game. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Become overwhelmed by upper middle class on we go back two spaces. You know, just... Yeah, I like it. I think I'd play that game. Sure. Okay. okay, so that's idea number two. Yeah, I'm not very good at coming up with the board games, so sorry I can't help you that much. No, no, there. I think that's you contributed well there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my final idea is called Archer Avenue, which is the name of the house they live in. Right. And it's a documentary. Mm-hmm. It's a sequel that's kind of framed as a documentary. This idea came from the sense that this film really reminded me of how... The characters are so isolated from the world and they have mm-hmm. this real kind of like upper class, wealthy, eccentric kind of vibe where they don't really live in the real world. And the fact that they never change their clothes, so they almost stink. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really reminded me in that sense of a real documentary called Grey Gardens, okay. which I'm guessing you've not heard of. No. Okay, so Grey Gardens is about a real life American socialite who was very wealthy in the like 1950s, 60s, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's it's a very felt wealthy American, old American family. And there was a mother and daughter called Big Edie and Little Edie, the, mm-hmm. the Bouviers, Little Edie Bouvier and Big Edie Bouvier. And they were super wealthy and they owned this kind of palatial mansion out in the countryside somewhere in America. And they were both mad as a box of frogs. Mm-hmm. And they had so much money, nobody ever really evicted them or anything. And they just lived, they never interacted with the rest of the world. And one day, some documentary makers made a documentary about their lives. They were related to Jackie Onassis, who was the wife of uh, JFK, Mm -hmm. who was obviously played by Natalie Portman in Jackie. Mm -hmm. So anyway, Grey Gardens is this amazing documentary about these characters who basically had this mansion all to themselves and went completely doolally. Mother and daughters had this real like codependent relationship and they lived in this kind of crumbling mansion still thinking they were like super, you know, glamorous and influential people and wearing all these insane costumes but mm-hmm. no, nobody ever visited them and it was just this really sad, weird kind of mm-hmm. scenario. This is the best thing to wear for the day. You understand. Yeah. Because I don't like women in skirts and the best thing is to wear pantyhose or some pants under a short skirt. I think... Then you have the pants under the skirt, and then you can pull the stockings up over the pants underneath the skirt. Mm-hmm. And you can always take off the skirt and use it as a cape. So I think this is the best costume for the day. Okay. <laughs> I have to think these things up, you know. Mother wanted me to come out in a kimono, so we had quite a bite. So I kind of feel like it's going to be a version of that. So it's going to be a documentary. It's going to be narrated, I think, by Ron Howard. Ron Howard as in... The director. Of Apollo 13 and yes. stuff. Yes. Okay. Because he dir- he narrates the TV show Arrested Development. Okay. Which I know you've not seen. Mm. But because, yeah, the real Tenenbaums also really reminded me of like a sad version of Arrested Development. Like it had very similar kind of characters mm-hmm. and a very similar plot. Mm-hmm. Like a deadbeat dad who abandons the family, kind of an aloof mum... Three dysfunctional kids. It was very, very 
there were a lot of connections there. Yeah. So I feel like Ron Howard narrating this would be instantly quite funny because it'd mm-hmm. be like, oh, it's Arrested Development with real people, but not real people, but yeah, with ten and bounds. So I feel like it starts with, um, well, obviously we know that Royal dies at the end of the first film, mm, yeah. Gene Hackman, which makes sense because Gene Hackman's retired from acting, so you can't get him back anyway. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this film picks up ten years later and maybe Ethelene, the mum has died too, because mm-hmm. she's one of the least interesting characters, to be honest. So maybe, much like the board game idea, it is about how the rest of the characters, as in the children, I feel like Danny Glover's also died, just yeah. to get him out of the way. Yeah, yeah. And the three kids are still living in this kind of crumbling mansion. Maybe it centres around this legal dispute around who now owns the house, mm-hmm. like who's going to get ownership of the house now that she's died, mm-hmm. and, the family, oh, and the family fortune as well. And this dispute over the will kind of attracts attention from the outside world, like lawyers, but also film crews. And so this documentary happens where some documentary makers kind of rock up in the film. And I feel like they should be characters in the film, mm-hmm. where they rock up and start making a documentary about this crazy wealthy family living in this weird mansion and never interacting with the outside world, who are all super eccentric. And so I think it just could be a good way of catching up with the characters, mm-hmm. like 15, 20 years later. Played by the same actors. Of course, who yeah. Who also obviously aged, because, mm-hmm. you know, time moves in that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like Shaz, as in Ben Stiller, should still be a super overprotective father. Still wearing the same red tracksuit, which is The nice. kids in this too. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking he's wearing the same red tracksuit, which now stinks. Like, mm-hmm. It's just so mildewy. And like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, Ari and Uzi, the two kids, are now... they're like I feel like they're like Rod and Todd in The Simpsons. They're just like... Because <laughs> they were super interchangeable in this film. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like they are now um, still also wearing red tracksuits and have never been into the outside world and just have this weird codependent relationship mm-hmm. and maybe are a little bit incestuous themselves. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe that runs in the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Because I feel like in the original film they were completely interchangeable. And mm-hmm. yeah. Margot, Gwyneth Paltrow, mm-hmm. I feel like she should now be smoke- chain-smoking through a hole in her neck. Of course, yeah. Yeah, because she's been chain-smoking for like Very good times. Yeah. And she's still sleeping with her brother Richie mm-hmm. Luke Wilson and they think nobody knows but actually everybody knows I think that's like a running joke where they think they're being really secretive and everyone's like yeah they've been fucking for like 25 years mm-hmm. yeah. I think for some reason she now should have a whole wooden hand rather than just a finger we never find <laughs> out why but just like yeah, it's, yeah, got, sure. it's, got, it's got worse for her okay yeah he, so he's just still wearing his tennis band and he's just sleeping with his sister and like he's probably growing his beard like back in full now like mm. it's even more ridiculous than before mm-hmm. and yeah I guess the whole film just follows them as they dispute who should gain ownership of the house mm. And uh, we're going to keep seeing, like, contrast to how they think they're living this kind of very glamorous, kind of, you know, aloof life, when actually they're just living in their own filth, and it's Mm. disgusting. Mm -hmm. Because one thing I also... The other thing that made me think of Grey Gardens was the fact that there are mice everywhere. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of shots of the mice, just like, this house is infested. Yeah. There's a genuine pest control problem. Uh, So, yeah, I think that just justifies it. So, yeah, I feel like the film just... This documentary just follows these characters just being crazy running around this house. And it ends with them, the house being declared derelict and they all get evicted. <laughs> and uh, maybe then they go to the premiere of their own film. Because Grey Gardens ended with the characters, the two crazy women. Well, the, the daughter went to the premiere of her own film. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because the film made her look like a psychopath. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so I guess the, they, maybe they go and they see themselves on the screen and they kid themselves that they're actually famous and glamorous. And yeah, I guess that's that's as much as I had. I just thought it'd be kind of a fun mm, yeah, that's good. documentary. That does work really well. Yeah, so they were my ideas. Do you have mm-hmm. a favourite? Mm. So it was Do- Grey Gardens documentary, board game, or Margot prequel? Uh, I think it's a documentary. The documentary? Mm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I did good. it in the right order then. Yeah, you did. Cool. Got the order right. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's that. That is that, yeah. Listener submissions? I guess, yeah. Cool, okay. So. Sorry, it's been two weeks. I'm out of the flow. I know, this is this is definitely our getting back into the spirits of things <laughs> episode. 
Okay, so, listener submissions. Uh, so, we had four people had the exact same idea. <laughs> It'll make sense. So, Will Means, Mike Carey, Grace Tomzak, and Ryan Paluka Colbe all said the Royal Eleven Baums. Uh, as in ten bounds, ten bounds. Yeah. Puns, puns. Of course. Uh, Brad Millette said, Everyone knows Royal Tenenbaum died tragically rescuing his family from the wreckage of a destroyed sinking battleship. Mm-hmm. What this sequel pre-proposes is, maybe he didn't. <laughs> so that's a joke on the Owen Wilson. Yep. Amazing line. Connor Crehan says, The constitutional monarchy Tenenbaums. Okay, yeah. Royal, you know. Mm-hmm. Mike Carey said, The royal Tenenbaums. It's a prequel. <laughs> All right, yeah. That's, that's good. good. I like that. That's good. Uh, Eric Bryan went in the other direction and said, The royal Tenenbaumed. A story of Royal's redemptive journey through the underworld as he attempts to make penance for being kind of a son of a bitch. Sure. So embalmed as in, you know, mm, yeah. he's dead. Uh, Brad Millet also said the loyal Tenenbaums, an alternate reality where everyone really likes each other. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, Zachary Pierce also joked on the whole Royal thing with the proletariat Tenenbaums. Mm-hmm. Andrew J. Hawthorne had several this week. He had the Royal Wedding Tenenbaums. Everyone's watching it. No one quite knows why. <laughs> Uh, the foil Tenenbaums, they're all fighting with fencing swords like some Free Musketeers shit. Mm-hmm. And the naval Tenenbaums, a car-style talking boats cartoon using the exact same dialogue as the original film. Mm, see, that so works. It's the original film just with them all being talking boats. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael O'Brien made a good point. He said, uh, it's called Ladybird, and they released it last year. Mm. She was kind of Margo-ish. She had a Tenenbaum-y vibe. I mean, she wasn't yeah. rich. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that one. Mm, no. See what you're going for. On the fence there, Michael, but I like the idea. Mm-hmm. Neil Fersco said, Rally St. Clair, as in Bill Murray's character, mm-hmm. must spend one night in a haunted house to inherit his great-aunt Helga's fortune. Okay. So I think the idea is just a ghost story but with Bill Murray, which would always be entertaining. Yes, definitely. Morgan Bird, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's jade egg gives her a life-threatening infection. And that's based on Gwyneth Paltrow in real life being... You know, she has this website, Goop. Nope. Where she sells like weird lifestyle shit. She's really into like hippy dippy, like alternative, like homeopathic medicines and you know all that bullshit. Mm-hmm. And one thing she sold on her website famously was uh, jade eggs that she encouraged women to walk around with in their vaginas, yeah. which was supposed to have rejuvenating qualities. But then a lot of doctors were like, "No, you'll just get a UTI. <laughs> you should not do this. This is a really bad <laughs> idea." Uh, so, Excellent. Yeah. So anyway, so in this sequel, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's jade vagina egg gives her a life-threatening UTI. Owen Wilson suffers PTSD from a wow meme-related incident. <laughs> and uh, Angelica Houston's character slowly transforms into Morticia Adams from the Adams family, and chaos ensues. Nice. So I guess that's a good play on like all their other roles and things they're well-known for. Mm-hmm. Nick Roseblade said, this is a full idea, Tenenbaums 2, still balming. This is very similar to my idea. It's more of a mockumentary. In the years since Royal Tenenbaums 1, interest in the family has started to grow again. Uh, Snopes.com has run countless articles about them and have interviewed them, and this doc tries to separate the myth from reality. So all of the original cast return for candid interviews and snapshots into their lives. As Royal died at the end of the first film, it covers Gene Hackman's um, lack of involvement perfectly, because mm-hmm. he's retired, but there were lots of uh, paintings of him. The main plot is how Chaz, as in Ben Stiller, has now uh, rebuilt his empire in uh, breeding spotted mice. Mm. Uh, and now his children have taken over that empire and they have an online wing now and they have their own app. But uh, Chaz doesn't understand this new internet phase. But he does understand the success and he's slowly turning into his dad in the sense that he's stealing from his children, etc. And he's not happy about it. Uh, Richie and Margot tried to make a go of their relationship but due to him becoming a US Eastbourne Wimbledon French Open correspondent, 
uh, and her renewed success as a writer. It put a strain on their relationship. Plus, they try and keep their daughter out of the limelight. They have a daughter now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Partly because they want her to have a normal childhood, and partly because they're still not sure if they're related or not. <laughs> uh, Eli Cash, Owen Wilson, wrote a warts and all novel about his uh, time growing up with the Tenenbaums. He's kind of out of favour, but allowed to sleep over at the house from time to time. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Raleigh and Dudley have a research institute and a range of medication. Raleigh and Dudley, that's Bill Murray and his yep. little assistant. Yeah. So they have a research institute now and a range of medications, which are actually placebos, but nobody seems to care. <laughs> and Ethelene and Henry, that's uh, Angelica Houston and Danny Glover, mm-hmm. are still together, but retirement hasn't agreed with Henry and he probably has a bit of a drinking problem. And, <laughs> sure. Yeah, so it's just, a, I guess it's just a catch-up documentary mm. on the whole family. Could be fun. No, I like it. That's good. Mm-hmm. Might be better than mine, annoyingly. <laughs> and finally, The Contrarians, at Contrarian Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last Tenenbaum. Ooh. Ben Stiller reprises his role as Chaz. Mm-hmm. It's been 20 years. Everyone else in the family, including his children, have died in a fire. Oh, no. Bleak. On a final mission to spread his family's ashes around the world, Chaz must decide if life is still worth living. Mm-hmm. I think Julio from the Contrarians is really... Wait, was that it? No, that was the end, yeah. Oh, right, crikey. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, like we've Ooh. really infected him with some really dark yeah. thoughts. Yeah. yeah. I hope you're okay. Yeah, yeah. If you ever need to reach out, Julio, we're here for you. That was dark. That was very dark. A very dark note to end on. And that was the last one. So um, if you have a sequel idea for The Royal Tenenbaums or any films we've done in the past, please let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. Uh, our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just search Beyond the Box Set or go to our website, beyondtheboxset.com, where you'll find all the links. We're also available on patreon.com forward slash beyond the box set, where you can sponsor us for as little as $2 a month or as much as $15,000 a month to gain access to all of our fabulous bonus content, which we discussed earlier in the show. And you can also find merchandise on TeePublic or reach us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Beyond the Box Set. So next week, Harry. Your voice always gets higher and higher and higher and higher and higher as you do that. One week, I'll just become inaudible. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Harry, it is your idea next week. It's your, yes. It's your turn to choose a film. So mm-hmm. what have you got for me? Well, as an actor that we've... Uh, We've touched on lightly, okay. Um, lightly in, in, in in previous ideas, it's an actor who's got two levels. Okay, one level is just complete madness, and the other one is quite boring. Okay, he's been in films as crazy as Waterworld or as sensible as The Holiday, and so next week we're going to do our first Jack Black film. Oh, okay. School of Rock. Oh, interesting. Okay, good call. We'll see how this one stands up to the test of time. Yeah, I, I can't say I've seen it well. I almost, because we had a bit of a Gwyneth Paltrow tip, I almost made us do Shallow Hell, but I think, yeah, I think School of Rock's probably aged better. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have no idea. I've, I've not seen it in a long time. Yeah, I've seen it once when I was a kid, so yeah. we'll know. Oh, okay, interesting choice. School of Rock. Okay, well, join us next week then for School of Rock. Yeah, see you later. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.